Hey folks, my name is Andy Sido. Welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar Podcast. My guest this week is touring guitarist and songwriter Sean Eccles. Episode 61, and we're using the new theme song, which does not conflict with with getting played on any FM stations because I wrote it just for this. So the, the old theme song was Secret Rodeo, a song of mine, and I just clipped a little piece of it together. But apparently it's better this way if I have an unregistered song um, <laughs> that has no association with anything but this podcast. So we're going with a new theme this week, and maybe it'll stick. Who knows? It's going to be hard for me to adjust to. But I like it. It's fun. It kind of uh, it kind of has a that '70s show vibe, I think. And a couple of the little bumpers I made for it um, definitely have a that '70s show vibe. I don't know if that's what you want in a rock and roll podcast or not. But that's the theme song for the time being. It's called um, Theme Two, and also it uh, is a little different from the theme we've been I've been using for the last few years because it's long enough to introduce the guest on top of the music. So that's kind of cool, a little different, but anyway, if you're a long-time listener, there's a new theme song this week. If this is your first time, you don't know, you don't care, I hope you like it. (laughs) Friends, if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can do so completely free just by rating and reviewing wherever you listen to your podcast, especially on Apple Music. That really helps me out a lot and just takes a second. If you are interested in supporting in a monetary way, I'm now on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. And for as little as $3 a month, you can help keep this podcast going. Um, And I I post up some exclusive content from the podcast and uh, for my music career as well. And speaking of that, I'm a musician. Andy Sido is my name. I put out music all the time. I tour. That's my thing. That's what I do. And I do this podcast... um, to make new friends and and hang out with old ones. Well, episode 61, here we go. My guest, as I mentioned earlier, is Sean Eccles. He grew up a military brat, um, eventually ended up in Springfield, Illinois, where he started the group Speakeasy, and they started off just playing gigs around town, and they expanded a little more, a little more. They ended up playing the first Wakarusa Festival and uh, touring, opening for the likes of J.J. Gray Mofro, and Umphreys McGee and others. In 2014, Sean moved to Colorado Springs and actually moved to uh, moved to the Denver area, not too far from where I'm at just a couple years ago. Um, but he started playing with Andy Frasco in the UN several years back, um, and he's been their touring guitar player ever since, and a big part of that live show, a big part of the magic that happens. Um, and he plays with a lot of people. He plays with a lot of people. He sat in with everybody. We told some stories about sitting in with Little Feet and Umphreys. And, um, he writes songs with everybody. It, you know, doing this podcast, I meet a lot of um, enlightening energies. I don't know if that's a, a correct phrase, enlightening energies. But I feel that way about Sean. Right? Ch- I was chatting with him, and the whole time we were talking, I was just in a great mood. Um, he's the kind of person that lifts everybody up and wishes everyone well and just jumps on opportunities that sound cool. Um, and, and has made made tons of friends along the way, along his path, and has a, a really interesting story. Um, and just, just really, really enjoyed chatting with him and um, 
looks like we're going to set up a writing session now too. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, he's currently still playing with, with Frasco in the UN. He also recently started a group called Evil Dave with a couple friends, including Todd Smalley, um, who is the bassist for JJ Gray Mofro and former bassist for Derek Trucks. Um, what else was I going to say about Sean? I got nothing but great things to say about Sean. Um, he's been kind of getting involved in the local community a lot lately and getting out and playing some solo shows, doing live streams, um, you know, just playing with his acoustic guitar. And that's how, how I've gotten to know him a little bit more. It's just, it, it's funny, as, as quarantine happened, getting to know some people in my community literally just through live streams and posts and seeing what people are up to. It's it's interesting that it's worked out that way, but it's really cool. I've, I've made some really good friends with people that I haven't met in person yet, who I, I didn't realize before the shutdown or, or right here in my backyard. Um, and he's one of those folks, so it, it was great to get to, to get to chat with him and get to know him a little bit better. Um, one thing I want to bring up before we jump into the show is an organization called Backline, um, which Sean chats about in the episode, and I've been looking into it further since we talked, but it is an organization that works to connect music industry professionals and their families uh, with a trusted network of mental health and wellness providers. Backline services are free for all those who have a hand in making the music happen. This can be artists, managers, agents, promoters, crew, family members, um, and it's something that's, I guess, started in the music community to to help people out. If you're on the road, um, you know, if a spouse is on the road, they're they're there to help. They can um, help connect you with the right people, someone to talk to, just a support system. So if you're an artist or somebody in the music industry, whoever you are, and you want someone to talk to um, or support group, check out backline.care. And there's a link to that in the show notes. Go check it out. See if see if maybe it's something for you or somebody you know. Um, it sounds like a, a really, really cool thing. So thanks, Sean, for bringing that up in the episode. And um, I encourage folks to go check that out. It's backline.care. Okay, I'm going to start off. I've been playing a song at the beginning and the end of every episode lately to give people a taste of what it sounds like. That's what I've been hearing. We want to hear what this person sounds like before they start talking and after they're done. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. This first song that we'll play to lead into the interview is one called Good Man. And it was written by Sean and recorded by Andy Frasco in the UN on their newest release, Keep On, Keepin' On. Um, and relating to this episode, too, I should mention Andy Frasco was on, the, was on this podcast a couple months back. As was Brody Danger, who was just on episode 57, I believe. Brody is the day-to-day manager for Frasco in the UN and also was on this podcast way back on episode 9, I think. Um, Brody is with 7S Management, based here in Denver, and we grew up across the street from each other. We've known each other. We've been thick as thieves since we were two years old. Um, so anyway, some if, if you're a, a fan of of these folks or this type of music, there's a couple other episodes to go check out, right? Okay, let's jump into the show. Quick thanks to our sponsors. First, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for your audio or restoration needs, go to pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music. 
For simple and affordable licensing for sync, go to narratorrf.com. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, shoot me an email at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. What's happening, man? What's up, Andy? How you doing, man? I'm doing well. It's a it's a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Happy Monday. It's like negative six degrees of this morning or something like that. It was crazy. I know. I finally toughed it out this morning. I went for my run. It's been several days, All right. but I did it. I did made you? it happen. All right. Good for you, man. I'm proud of you. <laughs> but it's still super cold. Yeah, I, have, I have not gotten active today at all. <laughs> That's okay. It's a good time to to hang out inside. 
Um, so first things first, what's going on with Evil Dave? I, I, you guys just played a show at the Oriental with Felt Like a Buffalo the other day. Talk about that project a little bit. Yeah, Evil Dave is a, is a power trio. I've been friends with Todd Smalley. Um, Todd Smalley is very well known in the Denver scene or the Colorado scene and the national scene. He's the, right. He played bass with Derek Trucks band and now he's been at JJ Gray Mofo for a long, long time. That's how I met him with my old band, uh, Speakeasy from Missouri. Um, yeah, we, we did a lot of shows with JJ Gray Mofro, but then since moving to Colorado, I've, I just wanted to be in a band with Todd. Over the last few years, we were able to get it together as Evil Dave with my buddy Sean Gilmore on drums and uh, his wife Gina Figliolo. She sings she sings some tunes with us too. She sings Working Man, which I think is hilarious. Awesome. Call me the Working Man, and it's Gina. It's what I am. But anyways, I, we played the Oriental opening for Float Like a Buffalo, and it felt so good to play with a band. Yeah. It was fantastic, man. Well, no, that's that's awesome. And where did the band name come about? Evil Dave was a caller on the Howard Stern show, and he sounds just like Dave Letterman. Yeah. <laughs> and he'd call and he'd spoof people and say dirty things. And everybody on the phone, he'd call in like radio shows, and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's David Letterman. Then he'd just say rude, dirty things. You know, So they, they coined that he was Evil Dave. And then uh, he's, he, Sean Gilmore and I made friends, I don't know, four or five years ago, both big Howard Stern fans. He, um, the character Evil Dave, he passed away right when we were talking about getting a band together and we needed a band name. We said, let's call it Evil Dave. So it's, a, it's kind of a tribute of sorts. <laughs> it's a tribute. And then we have graphics of every Dave you can imagine. It's like Dave Thomas from Wendy's, Dave, uh, David Lee Roth, with, they all have devil horns. Yeah, and, uh, and it's, yeah. If you go to our Instagram, you can see all of them. We like we have we even have one like Dave Schools, Dave Grohl. There's no shortage of promo. Any day, no, not at all. It's endless for sure. <laughs> That's great. Um, so you've been in Colorado since 2014, you were saying, and in Colorado Springs first, now in Denver um, as of late. Where did you come from originally, and how did you get into music? Uh, I'm a military brat. So um, my dad was in the Navy for 22 years, um, retired as a commander. We got moved around every two years or so. And so I was born in Newport, Rhode Island. And my brother was born in Seattle in 1976. I was 78. And we moved around a whole bunch. Um, and my dad finally retired from the Navy. We were living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and I was in a bunch of death metal bands. But also, I mean, I've, I've been in bands since I was in eighth grade. My brother introduced Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd. Black Sabbath and all the good stuff at an early age. And I took off and ran with it. I've been in band since I was 11 years old. I think I've always had some form of a band. So, um, and when we, he retired and we moved to Springfield, Missouri for a little while while he, uh, he retired and got a job working at the university there. Yeah. And I always wanted to move to Colorado and finally got, got here in 2014. Awesome. And, and so where, was speakeasy formed is that uh, is that uh Missouri. yeah so uh, it's like kind of an early like i don't know zeppelin zeppelin kind of blues rock jam band uh came out of there we toured all over the country played shows with umphreys mcgee and little feet and uh jj gray mofro a lot and like, the first wakarusa festivals and okay. harvest festivals and like you know and that were in lawrence kansas and down in arkansas and everything we were pretty busy for a while put out a bunch of albums and then everybody got, uh, you know, families and things happening. Touring stopped. And, and then I met Andy Frasco 
and touring continued. And touring <laughs> continued nonstop. Yeah, into the sunset. And, and who knew he would come up with plenty of things to do uh, during 2020, even though it, it's not necessarily touring. So totally, yeah. And, and what, a, yeah, an inspiration to just kind of get off your ass and do anything in general. Just do something. Andy yeah. Frasco is holding the torch, man. And it's been nice. And doing some of the live streams with him over last year was a total blast too. Yeah. Glad he was in Denver as well, so we can hang out. And That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and we'll and we'll definitely jump into that, but not to skip over uh, Speakeasy too quick because you guys okay. did some, some really cool stuff. Um, when that band, what year did that band first form? Nineteen ninety-eight. I was nineteen with a fake ID, playing at the Outland in Springfield, Missouri. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And right. and, and what made that? I mean, did that start off as a garage band kind of thing, or did you guys get together with the purpose of, hey, we want to tour with some big national acts and do? Well, I mean, we definitely wanted to write music and play music. We were in this original band. We were in high school. Uh, the drummer Ryan Fannin and the bass player, the original bass player Tony Johnson. We were all high school buddies, and we're in. We loved Three Eleven, and, and yeah. we had a, we had our own rap rock band called Invincible Yellow, which was named after my AMC Pacer that was in, pretty much indestructible. But, um, and we were writing all of our, you know, it was the rap rock thing doing the, you know, pretty much our version of, uh, of 311. And then one day we were just getting, you know, we were in, out of high school and we were like, you know, let's just do the three piece. And we'd like called and got an, a gig at an open mic night at the outland when we were 19 and got us a gig. That, like we, we played, it was all these acoustic guitar guys and it was our full band and we played like. I don't know, some Alice in Chains and some Widespread Panic. And I don't know, one of our tunes or something. We got like six gigs right that night. And so we started gigging and never stopped. You know, And then it just ended up being, all right, we can go to St. Louis. We can go to St. Louis and Kansas City. We can go to Memphis, St. Louis and Kansas City. And they just start slowly creeping out, you know? Yeah. And that was before like when websites and shit were just starting. So you'd have a paper map. You're touring, like, right, calling on landlines to get directions to how do you get to the club and shit like that. It was crazy, man. You know, I haven't had too many people on the show that toured in the 90s. You look, yeah, man. You look much younger <laughs> than you are. Yeah, thanks, man. Rock and roll somehow has keep, kept me looking young. But, you it's know. kept you young. Um, <laughs> when, when did that band start taking off? And was there a certain event or show that really kind of gave you guys a little bit of a boost with speakeasy man we just we just never stopped like we really uh i don't know it was just such a positive experience never took off too much never bit off more than we could chew kind of thing but yeah. then yeah. when we got to a point we were doing pretty well regionally you know in missouri and dipping down to like Fayetteville, arkansas it was a killer music scene down there and a killer like a uh, razorbacks and all that killer college scene back yeah. then too especially like early 2000s and then, uh, like, yeah, then Wakarusa Festival happened, which was like Lawrence, Kansas, and some of the regional bands got big sets, you know, and so that and that, that kind of helped a lot as far as it put us on more of a national scene, just for that, at least in the in the region, you know. So we started getting a little busier, and we were able to go to Chicago and put some people in, you know, it was a little further of a stretch. It was nice. Did you it know? Was tough, man, it was it was tough. We'd go touring. You know, down south, and the farther away we got, the harder it was, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Meet shady promoters, and this is less less internet stuff. Like towards the end, it started getting more to where people are actually using, you know, like you know, internet promotion and things like that. But it was all handbills and posters early on. So you try, you have to meet real street teamers and like go do. It was yeah, it was a lot of work, man. 
Was there an advantage to that, though? I mean, now I, I, it's much easier to meet street teamers, and maybe for the same reason, fewer bands do. I mean, I think you click a button now, and you reach so many more people than hitting the streets, you know. And I think there's just so much, so many more bands, and every, you know, there were less bands maybe touring. I think at the end of the '90s, and there are, you know, ten years after that, I'd say, just because it was easy to get, put yourself, you know, record at home, make a website, get your name out there, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So after that Wakarusa set, did you notice, as you're saying, you were able to go out a little further from home and, and bring fans in? Yeah, a little bit. It was like it, it actually worked because it was one of the first big festivals that was anywhere near us, you know. And so, you know, people would take that away. We like, we made these WTF speakeasies, just bl- black letters on white shirts, you know, what the fuck speakeasy shirts, and like they sold out. And so we'd see them all over the place. And it was like because people came to you know, came to Walkers and then they went to, went home and then when we went to other towns, he's like, Hey, all right, it's, it's kind of working. <laughs> but then, and then we, uh, the Umphreys guys would have me or have me in the band play with them, uh, all over the Midwest, you know, whenever they come through, uh, St. Louis, we'd played a bunch of New Year's Eve shows with those guys and they've been great. And like, it definitely just get, we, we got to a point where we were pretty, doing pretty well in the region, you know? How did you get connected with those guys? What's that with those bands? And Humphreys, yeah. Um, I have a a friend, Robbie Williams, who is their stage manager, and I knew him just as a personal friend from touring around with Speakeasy. He was from uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas, and then he was uh, he worked with Dark Star Orchestra before he was with Humphreys McGee, and he really loved that band. So it was he was a cool move, and he's been with them ever since to the point where. um, 2020, the beginning of 2020, the last thing we did was play with Humphreys McGee with Andy Frasco in the UN. I got to hang out with my buddy Robbie for four nights. It was great. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, tell us a story uh, of a sketchy promoter, as you were talking about. I mean, something that happened. Maybe you were far from home. I know this happens all the time. but it's the same You can't, thing. You can't write you know, a Yelp review, you know. Uh, you, never, you don't get paid. The guy's shady. You know, he, he disappears at the end of the night, you know. And, you know, it's the same story. I mean, it's happened to everybody, I think, you know. I don't want to name names. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, of course. Um, did, it, did it happen often or was it just an occasional sort of thing early on? I think when, you, when you're starting out and they know, and like, you know, bar owners or kind of know you're a young musician, I think you just kind of end up in those situations more than you would once you get established and experienced, I think, you know. Yeah. You smell it after you do it for two decades, you know, you're like, okay, this guy's shady as hell, you know, <laughs> yeah, but, right. uh, you know, I remember being young and, you know, bringing a bunch of people to a club and getting handed, you know, 50 bucks for 300 kids being in there before or something and just like you have enough foot to stand on when you're 19 and, you know, yeah, you just don't know how to fight for yourself and stuff like that, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you live and learn, you live and learn in rock and roll, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, what was it like touring with uh, with Mofro? And it was probably just Mofro back then, right? It wasn't. Uh... We did shows when it was just Mofro for sure, and they were like they were driving around in JJ's RV, and they had the trucker hats on, sitting in like metal folding chairs. Him and Daryl, I knew him then too. They went through some lineups, but the most time I spent was when they had the guys from the Greyhounds in the band. Uh, yes, Andrew Troub and Anthony Farrell. Yes, and, Anthony's uh, Anthony's been on, or they've both been on the podcast actually. Oh, cool. I love those guys in the Greyhounds. Wow. Yeah. What, the music is incredible, man. Yeah. And so, like, we, we did several shows. We did, like, a, a New Year's run and just a, a, several times they'd come through Springfield or anything like that. We'd always hang out and they'd come over to our, like, after gig and sit in. And it was great, man. Great guys. I'm glad I get to, like, ex- still see Todd a lot. 
because that yeah. kind of extends from that friendship, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen Trube and, and Anthony down in down in Austin, stuff like that over the over the years. So yeah, yeah. Well, and they make their way. They tour so much. They make their way up here a fair amount. Totally. Man, their music's so good. Everything they put out is like brilliant. I think. Yeah, yeah. They're they're absolutely incredible. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and when did this group end? When did Speakeasy finally come to a close? How'd that happen? I mean, it's not really over. It's just a lot. We played last, let's see, 2019. We did a, we were doing shows around the holidays, do like one show a year, pretty much kind of like a reunion thing. Yeah. And uh, obviously we couldn't do it last year. I didn't choose to go try to put a show on at the end of 2020. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I'd say we'll see what happens. We'll probably still do shows. But I mean, we slowed down significantly i don't know like 2010 2011 and then we just do a handful of shows i was kind of splitting duties between andy frasco and the un and speakeasy mm. well frasco never stopped touring the country you just keep going around and around and around yeah so pick up different vans in different regions pretty much back then like 2010 you know you'd have really or sometimes it would, i'd jump in for like a, a month but it would be me, me him and ernie and we or sometimes a bass player sometimes not and then we'd pick up a drummer and lake charles during the sound check, be like, right, this is what the show's gonna be like. Ready? <laughs> you know? What? It was crazy, man. That's that's awesome. So, and when did you first start getting involved with uh, with Frasco and playing with him? Twenty ten, I think. Two thousand nine and two thousand ten. I think I met him in two thousand nine. We really started playing a little more with him. Twenty ten. It was literally literally like that. I met him in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, my buddy Doug from the Ben Miller band, Doug DeSherry from the Ben Miller band, uh, he used to be in the Ben Miller band. He's like, my buddy, and we had a side band on a Wednesday night, you know, in Springfield, Missouri at Pat and Alley Pub. And he's like, my buddy Andy Frasco's coming through with his band. They don't have a gig on Wednesday and they want to open. And I was like, sweet. So they came through and we made friends. And I'm like, this guy's got some energy, man. It's crazy. And so we made buddies and I would do like, you know, he's like, hey, you want to do Tulsa and Fayetteville for the weekend? Come play guitar. Like, you want to do two weeks? You want to do a month? Yeah. You want to do, want to record an album? You know, and it just kept going. So, it's like, yeah, it's like 10, 11 years now. So he's somebody, it sounds like, I mean, both both of you, who've just sort of been friendly to everybody and created a community around the music over the years. Hey, you sound great. Come jump jump on the bus with us for a couple nights. Great. Yeah. And I think, I mean, what a, way to, what a way to experience music too, man, if you just don't have walls up to prevent you from, you know, uh, collaborating with other musicians and artists, you know, I think it's only a, only a win every time you do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. And what were, what were those early shows like? Was it just a, just a power trio? I mean, was the energy the same as it is now? What was, what was the vibe? Frasco? Yeah. Ernie has been there since before me. So it's so always Ernie Chang on sax, Mandy pounding away, getting crazy. I mean, it was like four hours. I mean, to be honest, man, we were drinking a lot. <laughs> we were more than we do now. And uh, we'd be blacked out for four hours, man. And just yeah. like in the whole, I remember we'd go to different places and it's just, he'd throw, he'd throw a party, man. You know, some of these like the first clubs you play are like the ones where you go in the back corner next to the golden tee, set up the speakers on the, on the poles and we'll start playing, you know, he'd probably take a break, but play for almost four hours. And by the end of the night, the whole fucking place is going wild, you know? Yeah. And I was like, this is contagious. I knew there was energy in it. And then just over time, like songwriting and things like that became, you know, more prevalent. And Andy started becoming a better songwriter. And I started getting to be a songwriter with him. 
yeah. and, and everybody else in the band. And he started writing with other people and it just really took off on the, I think in a really unique way and to where the songwriting is uh, where it is now. And yeah. Andy's a fine songwriter and really puts, a, puts his heart and soul out, out there as well as I'd like to as well. You know, it's tough to expose you, how you, you know, to be honest in songwriting. And when you do, I think you get the, the better song, you know. So do you are are you a part of that collaboration process with him often and with other people? I mean, are you are you writing constantly with artists? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I have a couple songs on the new "Keep On Keeping On" album, uh, "Feel It in Our Bones" and "Good Man," that I wrote yeah. mostly myself. And then Andy, we got together and we tweaked some lyrics and arrangement and stuff. But um, a lot of the songs, handfuls of the songs on the last three albums, have been the whole band collaborating on ideas in the studio or uh, a couple that Andy and I have written or he, but he writes a lot too. It's just any way it comes, you know, but uh, then currently now I'm writing with my brother, Joel Eccles, who's in Los Angeles. He's also Lucas Nelson's front of house sound engineer on tour, but uh, he's my older brother. And like, because of all this, we can, we're kind of able to be at home more and send ideas back and forth. So we're writing. Um, I've got friends in the Netherlands that are ex Andy Frasco and the UN members that we're kind of bouncing ideas back and forth. I yeah. started. I kind of started a band with Robbie Peoples and Jeff Franca from Devery Corporation. Yeah. We wrote four songs in the session. We're going to start working on that. I'm up in Vale recording with Corey Montgomery Band, which is like Mark Levy and Kramer Kelling and a bunch of these other guys who write songs. Uh, Kramer Kelling, Corey Montgomery, and myself have been writing a bunch of tunes. We have about four songs we finished just getting together and on Logic and throwing ideas out and weird shit I'd never would have written on my own. You know? <laughs> it's yeah. Like, and I'm stoked about all this stuff. And it's just, I'm just going. I don't have, really have a direction with like trying to put out an album in one, you know, I, I would love to put out several albums, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. focusing on what, what to put out. I'm just trying to be really creative and write with a lot of people right now just to kind of get it out. What is that writing process typically like? Are you Do you sort of bend to whatever the other person's vibe is or... Uh, do you guys send back logic sessions where you're you start off with a riff or do you start off with lyrics? Uh, most it's yeah, it's kind of we got, I got together with uh Corey Kramer and I have been kind of quarantined together over the all this time and we get together just the three of us in, in Kramer's little overdub studio and we'll have nothing, no idea. And we'll be like, blah, blah, sing a melody and it'll fucking just go, man. And like you know, four hours later, it's like, what, what's that? That's great. And, Where'd that come from? You know, yeah. these little gifts, little treasures and just like, you just chase it down, you know? So, and I learned that like just from Frasco, the last album we did with Frasco working with the, it was, we did half the album with Dave schools from white through panic, which was very live, like a band recording in, you know, on the floor and then doing overdubs and stuff like that. But with Kenny Cardkey from AWOL nation did the other half. And it was like building it on pro tools was how we wrote songs with him, which was wow cool and weird for me i did it, like it took me a second to get used to what was happening like it's really doesn't matter to me now it's like any way you come up with the way to work on a new idea if it comes from that it's going to be different than if you hacked it down on a piano or a guitar you know right. it's gonna be a different song so it'd be like start with a drum beat or something and just and a, what's a bass line sound like and then you know some people just start throwing ideas at and whatever sticks works. And then all of a sudden you look at, you're like, Hey, we have, okay, there's a verse and a chorus. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What could a bridge be? Well, the bridge could be anything now. <laughs> you just did that. Who cares? Let's try, you know. So it's been really cool. And I don't, you know, like I said, I don't really have a whole lot of direction with 
all the songwriting that I'm getting into. I'm just trying to write a bunch of stuff, you know? Well, do you, when you write a song with somebody, do you start to have that hope or vision for it, for what it could be when it's done? Do you say, man, I really hope this makes Andy's next album, or hey, I really hope this makes Paywall's next album, or whatever. Do you have do you have those thoughts when you co-write with people or do you think, wow, this would be great for my solo record? Or are you really just. Well, the, yeah, writing? I think that's like, I know which project it belongs in. I guess I don't know what, like, you know, with when I get together with Frasco, we're definitely writing with, with the intention of Andy Frasco and the UN song. Sometimes I like feel it on our bones was a song I just wrote. And I was like, Hey, what do you think of this? And they dug it. And so we put it on the album. I, I definitely, that could have been something I just put out, you know? Yeah. And good man as well but uh, if he thinks it works with with the band it's great and like uh, it's cool to get his spin on songs too because he has a great ear for what works and what doesn't and where he, he likes to if it's not you know getting right to the point and punching hard you know like he calls it out really really well he's great he's become a really good producer you know yeah don't bore us get to the chorus kind of stuff you know Oh yeah, he's become one of those. Well, it's like it's LA like influence. Yeah, you you try it out. It's like okay, let's do it that way and let's do it this way. Which way's better? You know, and it's great. And that's how everything works. It's really democratic that way. I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and do are you setting aside a few tracks here and there? There, if they don't get placed in a project that you really like, sure. you think I might make a solo record. I want to. I, I definitely want to. I just get busy doing it. I, I get sidetracked pretty easy. <laughs> so, well, you're collaborating with half the country. I'm trying to. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, and I like working with other people more than, you know, I don't know. It's scary to just do do music completely alone because I would I would still even take my songs and bounce it off my brother or Frasco. I'm like, hey, what do you think of this? <laughs> yeah. Know? But it's really cool to do it collaboratively too because you can agree on stuff. You're like, cool, good, good. Yeah, let's put it out. You know? yeah. uh, right. It feels good. And there's just a lot of that around me right now too. So I want to, it's fun to work with other people, especially when, when you can't like be, see your buddies on tour or do anything like that. It's like, okay, how can we interact? Has this stemmed more collaboration from you, you know, having to not tour and be inside? Are you actually collaborating more than you were uh, prior to COVID? A hundred percent. Yeah. I was probably 10% collaboration or zero. <laughs> and now it's like a lot, you know, yeah. and just, and with gigs too, just being in Colorado, there's so many great musicians that live here. So um, like we did a whole bunch of socially distant uh Shows at the Gerald Ford Park in Vail with Scott Renner and the Shakedown crew. It's like so many musicians. Like Todd's, the, it was a benefit for Todd Smalley. His family went through some uh, hard times last year and raised some money. And there was like 30 musicians from, you know, Eddie Roberts, Benny Bloom, Jeff Franca, you know, the James Dunn. I mean, I could go on and I said all the local cats that are around, they, they all came together. And it was just like six hour show. It was awesome, man. Yeah. So that wouldn't have been able to be possible. Everybody would have been on tour, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Special things that have been happening because we can't go anywhere and, you know, and do things. So yeah. it's all, all perspective, I guess. You gotta, you gotta, gotta do something. Make the best <laughs> of it. When did you go through any period of, um, depression or what am I meant to do? What am I supposed to do here when we all got locked down or Absolutely. did you just jump into it? No, well, I jumped into it for sure. I started doing, I do a Wednesday stream. I did, I did. I'm i uh, I've done 25 weeks of uh, isolation, which is, you know, 
play on words for me uh streams yeah. on facebook and instagram and i haven't without repeating one song <laughs> so that's been my my thing i've been anything i can think of and I, i'm doing it back here like you know looping all these instruments and things like that um but i that's because i am you know as a musician and i, I feel like i'm kind of a driven kind of guy uh, the the idea of not touring or doing anything was that was scary so i was like i'm gonna do this live stream thing and go into it and so i did that for a while but um i definitely hit a wall of uh of some, needed needing some help with uh with my mind and i reached out to backline and uh, i've been in therapy since since may i think and it has been the greatest thing the greatest aid i've ever had in my life and i've never i'm dealing with stuff that i never really dealt with because i was always on the road and had lots of distractions and everything's go 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 you don't have time to slow down and put yourself under the microscope you know yeah so and you know andy frasco has been a big proponent proponent of mental health and a backline for uh, musicians since we've been in the scene and seeing some uh some things happen with some uh some musicians on the scene that you know which everybody wishes it could, could have been avoided with maybe just conversation or just getting some help. And, uh, I reached out myself and I could, I would recommend it to anybody and everybody, especially if you're a musician, backline's very, very awesome. And it's very, very helpful. And, uh, saved my ass. So, so what exactly is backline? Backline is therapy. And, uh, you know, I, I think they do yoga and all sorts of things like that just to help with mental health. It's built and geared directly towards musicians and people that tour. Okay. So um, it is, yeah, it's, it was set up through, I mean, a, a lot of people that are involved in the music scene. Uh, it was after Neil Cassell, uh, uh, he was the hardworking Americans guitar player. And yeah. Ryan was guitar. He had committed suicide. And I think a lot of people came together and like, All right, we're not dealing with this. You know, we need to have something that can musicians, you know, that don't have health insurance or, or feel comfortable going and talking to therapists and things like that. Let's set it up for musicians specifically. So Mm. Um, that it's there and it's it's wow. working. And I know I know some, several people that have taken advantage of it, and uh, I recommend it for sure. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's um that's the first I've heard of it. That's a really cool oh, thing, wow. especially that it's directed uh, at musicians. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty great, and uh, I'm I'm personally grateful. So um, awesome. I would definitely recommend it, and it's it's a, it's a beautiful thing, and it's can be scary to think think about. But I mean, everybody, man, every single human on the planet's got to have a hard time because this is a rough ride, you know. Absolutely, so it's beautiful and it's just tough sometimes. So yeah, it's okay, and, and everybody's going through something, you know. So yeah, well, uh, it feels like it's just you, but you know, it's it's worth worth reaching out, man. Well, we'll put a link to it in the show notes and direct people there. I know a lot of musicians listen to the podcast, so that's um, you know that's a resource. If you're listening to this, check out the show notes, and you can find out um, you can find out more information on that. Has there been a not to get too personal, and if it is, uh, you let me know. But it has there been a specific concept or issue that's come up with you since being off the road the last year or so um, that you've needed to get through. I mean, you kind of, I think you kind of mentioned it just a little, little uh, bit ago. I don't know how you worded it, but it's like, well, it's, what's my purpose now? You know, it's like, I mean, yeah. I, for, for myself, I've been hitting the road hard since I was 19. I'm 42. And so pandemic, it's like, what the hell am I supposed to do, man? Where do I put all this energy? Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, you know, I'm a high strung, high strung kind of guy. And so, I mean, it just, just basically calming that calming myself down to be able to you know everything it's like everything's hard for everybody 
you know, everybody, not to say everything's hard for everybody, everybody has a hard time in life at some point, with different varying degrees, and it's okay, you're going to be okay, and that's what, that's what therapy helped me, it's like, you're going to be fine, just take deep breaths and take everything, you know, one thing at a time, and don't, you know, because I would let myself get overwhelmed, which I feel like a lot of people can, you know, but as a musician, without all my regular distractions and go, 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 it's, uh, it, yeah, it definitely caught up to me, you know. Yeah. Will you go back to 250 shows a year, um, you know, in 2022 or 2020, whenever, whenever bands are doing that sort of thing, I hope so. yourself doing that. <laughs> I, have, I hope so. I think it's, I mean, it's, it's going to look different for a while, I think, you know, but um, we did a run, we did like a two week run of socially distant, like parking lot shows. And uh, we played in a baseball field in Roanoke two nights. It was awesome. There's spread way out. <laughs> it's a trip, man. We got to play on, you know a big festival size stage with great lights great sound and it was a rock show so wow. it's not the same as having everybody pressed up against the stage and feeling all that energy like going nuts i mean wow and how lucky like the last tour we did in february man 2020 was like the best one we ever did and crazy rock and roll good times and uh i don't know i think it's gonna take a minute before we get back to something like that but um we'll definitely be touring soon i think we're, we're gonna be heading out in april um awesome. frasco doing some like uh some same like socially distant parking lot kind of shows and things like that drive-ins you know yeah yeah wow and you're married right i am married i'm married for about a, almost two years okay well maybe maybe my question um maybe my question will have an answer in a few years then i was gonna ask what is that like um you know the dynamic of being on the road all the time and now also uh being married it's uh well we got married while I was very much a touring musician. So yeah. the pandemic kind of changed things. My wife's always like, When do you get back on the road? <laughs> well, she wants you gone. She's used <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It can make you know, we have a really strong understanding and relationship and love for you know, she she supports what I do a lot too. So um yeah, we're excited to get back to what we what we understand, what we've got gone through a lot of good stuff together as well, you know it's made us tighter and, you know, but uh touring musician relationships can be, it can be the opposite of the pandemic can be diff really difficult. You know, um, my wife and I, we just happen to be pretty, pretty used to it. And we dig how it is, you know, a little time away and a little time together and distance makes the heart grow fonder kind of thing. And then she'll come out on the road a lot and see, see some shows when it's fun. And we have a couple of days in one place and things like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> surely and you're you're on cameo this is a total left turn but you're on cameo this is total, i'm lightly on cameo frasco frasco's on cameo yeah yeah well it's it's, it's funny because i've i i saw little things like that happening a couple years ago but now you see it all the time uh, oh yeah, I mean, yeah cameo things people are posting you know oh larry walker wished my mom a happy birthday <laughs> And, it's uh, weird, man. It's so bizarre. But, it's, uh, you know. pretty, it's pretty wild, but it's been a nice little source of income for some people. Um, and just a fun thing to do. What's that experience been like for you being on Cameo? Are you getting, uh, are, you, are you doing lots of birthday calls? I mean, what, what's it been? Not like? so much. I mean, I guess when I, it takes like uh, kind of advertising it myself too, but it's awkward for me. I don't know. I don't mind doing it. You know, if people still hit me up every once in a while on it. Like I'm not like posting up like, Hey, hit me up on cameo, like a whole lot. But I know, I mean, I know a lot of musicians that just, I mean, I don't know. I'm, 
it's just it's who I am. But like Frasco gets hit up, but like crazy, and he's a he's funny as hell at it. He's so good. At it. Yeah, sure. So I mean, I do. I mean, I, I have fun doing them. But you know, and if people were hitting me up, I'd no problem doing those. I've gotten a lot of like just personal, like, hey, will you record this song for me and my you know me and my wife for Valentine's? I did a few of those and like birthdays every here and there and things like that, which is like the idea of cameo. And, but not on cameo. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> well, it, it's it, all interesting though, is all these like little ways that people like, I mean, definitely live streams and stuff like that. It's like a totally different landscape, man. Well, I, I was going to say I, that website, it makes me think of all the ways that artists can make money in a, in a really good way. I mean, to, to be able to um, be home or be on tour and make $25 in four minutes or whatever. Yeah. Really cool thing. Do you see anything else like that, that you see really opening up and breaking out in, in the next few years as a, a revenue stream for artists? I mean, the live stream's done right. I mean, Frasco, yeah. this dance party he's got going on is insane. Yeah. Guy had 310,000 people on there. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It's crazy. That's a, you know, a small, that's a city. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> city. And, I mean, and he's rocking it, you know, but I mean, and there's some live streams that are happening. I mean, when my live stream, it's, it's been, it's been great. I've had great response. have had great times on there and like uh, a lot of people in and out. Like it gets, it's, it's a cool direct way of getting to people, you know, in the only way we can. Um, obviously everybody would like, like, like we said, like to be elbow to elbow at a show, but this it's pretty personal, you know, and you can get like, you know, right. I did, I've done this uh, and I'm doing another one. There's this uh, production company, TOF productions. Um, and I've done two of their live streams. They do them on like kind of a zoom platform where I play and then they unmute everybody between songs and there's 50 people hanging out, you know, and it's like a show. Wow. <laughs> these tickets and stuff. And we're doing it with the Corey Montgomery band on the 11th of uh of march from shakedown bar and veil which is a recording studio now but it's like a ticketed thing and you go directly to the tvs just for those people instead you know like live stream anybody can watch you know if it's a public live stream on facebook but then there's these ticketed ones too i'm sure a lot of bands are doing this and on, you know the bigger bands and things like that too but even on a smaller level it's like these little virtual nightclubs are popping up everywhere yeah and they kind of have like a home base of people that support and watch and then you bring your fans into it too, and there's a party. Yeah, and people are drinking on there and have, like trying to make it feel like they're at a venue. Still, you know, it's cool. Do you think that'll really continue um, in in years years ahead as as touring gets back to normal? I guess it depends on what happens with coronavirus. You know? Yeah, right, right. I mean, I would if, if things if things return back to how they were two years ago or, or a year ago, I guess year and a half ago, yeah. do you still see it being? Um, you know, something that artists do. I don't know. I don't know. I think, yeah, in different ways, maybe, just, and lightly. I wouldn't see it being so heavily done. I mean, there are, I'm sure there's some breakout artists that there are some people that got noticed because they were live streaming. And, you know, maybe maybe there's some, some cats out there that would, couldn't get gigs, but they're brilliant. And, like, because they're on a live stream, maybe it hit the right place, right time, you know, and everybody's seeing them, you know, it's like the guy on the skateboard with the cranberry juice kind of thing. You yeah. Know? Yeah. <laughs> they, get, they get huge. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's cool things about it still. Like I could imagine if we were on tour, 
with Andy Frasco at the UN, like after a show, just been like, hey, let's go live. And like for everybody that's not in, you know, Hartford, Connecticut that night, you know, it's like, let's do it. all your people. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's, it's a cool platform. Yeah. And if you have the fan base that supports it, I think that's all it is really. I mean, I, they, that, that way you can use it as much as you want. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some other groups you've played with that we haven't mentioned that you've had some some really special memories with, um, whether it be a tour or a, or a studio gig? What's a couple of groups that you've just said, man, that was an awesome experience? Little Feet is the legendary. Yeah. Band, and I've gotten to make friends with those guys for some reason over the years through Speakeasy, but through just like Fred Tackett, their guitar player, who is not in the original lineup, is from Little Rock, Arkansas. And years ago, I was in a the smaller festival near Fayetteville, Arkansas, and Fred Tackett's there. The promoter's like, Fred Tackett from Little Feet's here. Nobody's asked him to sit in. Went running right over. I was like, hey, man, I've heard Waiting for Columbus, and it's awesome. <laughs> you want to play some blues rock? Yeah. Like, and we made friends ever since, up till like last uh, or two, summer of 2019, they came through uh, the Paramount Theater, and they asked me to come sit in with them. And I got to play with Paul Barrera before he passed away. Wow. And I got, and, which is their original guitar player. Um, and it's, uh, that's crazy stuff. And they, they've had those guys over the years have had me sit in with them. Like, in, they're like, you're playing Dixie Chicken and sing a verse of the weight. And it's like, oh, this is awesome, you know? Oh, my so, God. Cool. And, it, and then in Memphis one time, they like just kept me on stage and they were playing all these crazy time changes and shit. And I'm just like, what? And they're just like, kind of laughing at me. And they're like, stay stay up here they're like messing with me and throwing me to the lions kind of thing you know yeah so i learned how to sit in the, the art of sitting in is if you don't know what the hell you're doing just turn that volume knob off and just smile man <laughs> that, that's all it's it is probably just uh, the face on stage the most of the people in the audience right well the idea is if you don't know have anything to add to the music yeah don't don't <laughs> shut the fuck up and then uh and and then when you have something to say damn straight go say it you know yep. and yeah go go rip some teeth out you know or something whatever but it, it, those guys were cool and they didn't it wasn't even like an explanation or anything it's just you just caught wind of how to do it because you're playing with these guys that you respect so much you know he's the old guard and these guys played with bob dylan and you know bonnie Raitt and linda rodstadt and all these great great artists and you get to be around them it's quite the pleasure man who who like that have you wanted to sit in with? Um, could be dead or alive. Who have you wanted oh. to sit in with that you, that you haven't gotten to? <laughs> in a no way it would ever happen kind of way. Tom Morello. <laughs> that would be cool. We were at, oh man, we were at Halloween. And uh, uh, whenever the last time that happened, and we were playing on this amphitheater stage in Swanee. And Andy Frasca and you and it was one of the best sets the band ever. I mean, it was just Everything was great. It was packed. I mean, just the crowd was going insane. We did our thing. And Tom Morello played after us. And it was like him with a DJ. And it ended up being like a trio with him. They were doing like mashups of Audio Slave, Rage Against the Machine, the whole thing. It was dope. But he was like, we met him. And he was like, oh, man, you playing that guitar over there? It was just like, oh. Tom Morello heard me play guitar. We're good here. Like, this is great. Yeah. It's like, you know, and you're like, man, they'd be dope. Cause I know some of those rage songs front to back. It's like, let me play on one of those with you, man. <laughs> you know, that'd be so cool. But I'm sure there's a ton of people that'd be so fun to play with, you know, it'd be so great. But is there anybody that you'd be afraid to accept an invitation from? Is there any band where they said, hey, can we jump in? <laughs> Tom Morello. <laughs> oh, no, okay, okay. Yeah. No. And man, yeah, I, I usually get cold feet. Most of the time, anybody asks me to sit in, but usually, you, you know, you just gotta 
oh, you can, you only play like you. You're the only one that plays like you, right? Yeah. So bring that to the table. Yeah. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Just do you. Because every time I think about too hard, what is anybody going to think about what I'm doing? It totally screws me up. (laughs) You get in your head. So if you can just accept that what you bring to the table is good good enough and you do it the best of your ability, I think it's that's the best place to be when you go do like sitting in with somebody that freaks you out or something, you know? So what I gather is that you're always game for a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm trying. I'm not. Yeah. I'm probably down (laughs) for sure. Uh, that's great. Would you ever, would you ever tour the country and, and heavily promote, um, a Sean Eccles solo project? Like where you go on the band uh, on the road as Sean Eccles and, you know, not the UN, you got to find a different name, but something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would love to, I'd love to, I don't know, you know, definitely just maybe, you know, start like, like speakeasy, just start with a couple shows around here Yeah, and, yeah. and see, see maybe, maybe getting a Fort Collins show going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'd love to, I'd probably call, I, I always think about that too. I'd probably call it some band name or something, but you know, the Sean Eccles band, I'm, I don't know, I, I don't know, but I'm definitely, definitely working on some music of mine and I'll figure out how to get it out and who knows what it's going to be called, but I definitely got some stuff I'm super excited about. So. What's the immediate future for you musically? I mean, I know there's stuff coming up with Andy. Evil Dave has formed. Um, yeah. What, 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 Evil what, Dave thing's happening. Um, yeah, I'm playing at El Rancho Brewing Company or brewery that's out near Ever, on the Evergreen exit off I-70. Uh, Bill McKay, piano maestro. Uh, he turned me on to that place. It's going to have a killer outdoor patio. Uh, over when it gets warmer so when i'm not touring which okay which leads into that i'm doing some sort of a tour with andy frasco in the u.n april and may so watch out (laughs) but then whenever i'm back i'm going to be doing shows like el rancho and i've been playing at ace eat serve uh steubens downtown denver that's a killer spot they have heaters and igloos and all this to make it work i've played out there while it's just dumping snow and it's kind of cool (laughs) but it's like only in colorado (laughs) right Uh, so yeah, I, I play a solo a lot around town and, uh, you know, Evil Dave and Corey Montgomery Band will be a thing. We've been writing a lot, so we'll definitely put some shows together soon with Corey Montgomery Band, which is Mark Levy on drums. Corey Montgomery is amazing, one of, my, one of my best friends, and Kramer Kelling on bass, uh, writing a lot of songs with those guys. And like, So we're going to continue to write songs there. I've been writing a lot of songs with Robbie Peebles. Yeah. He's awesome. And I've known yeah. him for 20 plus years, man. I met him down in Mississippi a long time ago. And wow. We just both happened to be here. He's <laughs> been a local guy for a while now. Yeah. And he, he's, he's, we came up with a couple great tunes, man. I'm really excited about that with Kramer Kelling as well. I don't know. We're going to get some Robbie people's music coming out there. And I'm, I'm really excited about that too. And then more Andy Frasco in the UN, uh, more music there. I'm hoping to write some music with Andy Frasco in the next couple of weeks. We'll see what happens. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, what did we leave out? I mean, surely plenty of stuff. What did we forget to hit in this short segment? I don't know, man. <laughs> you know what? Like I've said a whole lot. <laughs> I've done sixty-one of these now, and uh, and I this has been the most like quick back and forth I think of any interviews. Just like question answer, question answer. <laughs> oh, baby, let's go. Um, pound them out, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. But it's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks for. Uh, thanks for your energy. Thanks for hanging yeah, out. Um, and, thanks for having me. You know, hopefully we'll do it again sometime. Let's write a song. Let's, let's do it. it. Yeah, let's get together. 
<laughs> I'm, all, I'm like all about it, dude. <laughs> I would love that. No, let's let's absolutely um, do that. I'm writing all the time, so. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd love to. And if you don't mind, stay on the line for me for one sec. But I'm going to click the pause button. Thank you, everybody, for listening. <laughs> all right, Sean Eccles, thanks for hanging out with me, buddy. Um, once again, if you want to support the podcast in a totally free way. Please rate and review. It just takes a second. It helps out. Or subscribe to the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. Um, you know, it, it helps me a ton, and it's free to do. Also, if you do want to support in a monetary way, I'm on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. And I post up some exclusive content, um, some songs that aren't released in other places, and things like that, and, and little posts here and there. And you can support for as little as $3 a month. So... Thank you in advance for considering. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hate mail, or death threats, you can direct them right at me at middleclassrockstar at gmail.com. We're going to play things out with one more track. This is one that was recorded by the Eccles brothers, uh, Sean and his brother Joel, as he mentioned in the podcast. But it was actually written, the song's called Miss Mooney, by the way. Miss Mooney by the Eccles brothers is how you'll find it on Spotify. But it was written by Damien Cartier, their friend from Atlanta. Um, and yeah, so Damien, shout out to you. And let's end the podcast on a high note. It's been a high note the whole time, but an even higher note. Let's hear some tunage. <laughs> tunage. Does anybody say that anymore? I don't know. Here's Miss Mooney from the Eccles Brothers.
wanna spend it with you Cause you are the one Makes the sun beat down upon my wintered heart you Gotta talk to me with love Gotta put your nickel in if you wanna make love When push comes to shove Take a look, take a look at you girl Cause you're the one I've been thinking of You are my sunshine from above the brand that you're in seems the twins have seemed to linger. You need your band again. This morning, won't you be my singer? Don't stop, you gotta get on top. Don't stop the motion when we flip flop. Don't stop, you gotta get on top. Don't stop the motion when we flip flop. Don't stop, you gotta get on top. Don't stop the motion when we flip flop. Don't stop, you gotta get on top.